You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Part 2. A wow! Dear Editor, Astounding Stories magazine is a wow. I can hardly wait until next month for the April issue. The phalanxes of Atlans, beyond the vanishing point, and the pirate planet are perfect. Every time I start a story, I never stop till it's finished. I hope that there will appear even better stories in later issues. Here's wishing you the best of success. Fred D'Amato, 196 Green Street, New Haven, Connecticut. Is that so? Dear Editor, Just a word or two. I have read several issues of Astounding Stories, and I noticed that you have taken the word science off the cover. It's just as well, for it was never inside the cover anyway. If you thought to attract readers from real science fiction fans, you were all wet, for they would never fall for the kind of things you printed. Besides, what a real fan wants to know how. There may be, I'll admit, a class of readers who like your stories. But for me, I think that you ought to print real science fiction or abandon the attempt and publish out and out fairy tales. Is everybody so pleased with your book that you receive nothing but commendatory letters? That appears to be all you print, at any rate. So long. Harry Pancoast, 306 West 28th Street, Wilmington, Delaware. Short and Sweet Dear Editor, I agree perfectly with Gertrude Hemken of Chicago. Astounding Stories is okay. Why do we want a lot of deep science with our stories? We read for pleasure, not to learn science. I have been reading Astounding Stories since the first issue, and I have enjoyed every story. I read several science fiction magazines, but yours is the best. Stephen L. Garcia, 47 Hazel Avenue, Redwood City, California. Shorter and Sweeter Dear Editor, the only good things about Astounding Stories are as follows. The cover design, the stories, the size of the magazine, the illustrations in the magazine, and the authors. John Mackins, 366 West 96th Street, New York City. Sequels Requested Dear Editor, I was out of reading matter, so I bought the August issue of Astounding Stories, and it was so good that I have been buying it ever since. The only things I don't like about the magazine are the quality of the paper, which I think can be improved, and the uneven pages. The other science fiction magazine that I read has its pages even. Astounding Stories has a much better type of stories than the other magazine. There are only a few stories I have seen in your magazine which do not belong there. They are A Problem in Communication, which is not so much fiction and does not have much of a plot, and The Eight Men of Exlati which was very well written and very interesting, but did not have enough science in it. I would like to see sequels to the following stories. Marooned Under the Sea, Beyond the Vanishing Point, Monsters of Mars, telling about another effort of the crocodile men to conquer Earth, The Great Plague, telling of another attack by the Venusians, and most of all, Vagabonds of Space. I would like to see a story about their further adventures about every three months just as I see the stories about Commander Hansen. I wish the best of luck for Astounding Stories. Bill Bailey, 1404 Whiteman Street, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Come again. Dear Editor, although I have been an interested reader of Astounding Stories since its inception, this is the first time that I have written, but our magazine has been so good lately that I just had to write and compliment you on your good work. There are just two criticisms I have of Astounding Stories. The first is that the bonding sometimes comes off. The second is the rough edges. 
I join with many other readers in complaining that uneven edges make it hard to find a certain page, and also give the mag a cheap-looking appearance. In my opinion, the two best serials you have printed are Brigands of the Moon and The Pirate Planet. The four best novelettes are Marooned Under the Sea, The Fifth Dimension Catapult, Beyond the Vanishing Point, and Vagabonds of Space. Eugene Bray, Campbell, Missouri. How simple! Dear Editor, Just a few lines to set Mr. Greenfield right on that question of how a man could be disintegrated and then reintegrated as two or more similar men. Briefly, the atomic or molecular structure of the original man could serve as a pattern to be set up in the reintegrating machine or machines while he is being dissolved by the disintegrating machine. Thus, the reintegrators could reconstruct any number of similar men by following the pattern of his molecular structure and drawing on a prearranged supply of the basic elements. As for the soul, that is merely the manifestation of the chemical combinations in the man's body, and when said chemical combinations are duplicated, the soul simply follows suit. Joseph N. Mosley, 4002 6th Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. Both in one issue. Dear Editor, I think it's about time to let you know what I think of your wonderful magazine. Of course, I have my dislikes, but they are very few. I wish you would make up your magazine larger and even the pages up. The best complete novelettes I have read were both in the same issue. They were Monsters of Mars by Edmund Hamilton and Four Miles Within by Anthony Gilmore. Wesso is by far your best artist. Please keep him. All the other science fiction magazines have quarterlies. Why don't you have one? Goodbye, and keep astounding stories up to its present standard. Frederick Morrison, Long Beach, California. Good as is. Dear Editor, I have been reading your mag for about five months and I like it very much. I don't see what those guys want a quarterly for. This mag is good as it is, and there is no use to spoil it. Wesso is a swell artist, and the best story I read was The Wall of Death. I'd like to get acquainted with some of your readers. How about it, boys? I'll sign off. L. Sloan, Box 101, Onset, Massachusetts. Just imagine, dear editor, to begin, I am a mechanic more or less skilled in the handling of tools. Now, while I have seen many builders with tools who were dubbed spineless, poor fish, etc., it was not because they remotely resembled the piscatorial or crustacea families. It seems to me that when an author endows reptiles, cuttlefish, etc., with superhuman intelligence, and paints a few pictures of them as master mechanics in the use of tools, then I want to take the magazine I'm reading that allows such silly slush in its pages and feed it to my billy goat. He may be able to digest such silliness, but I can't. However, there is a redeeming feature of this sort of story. Although not written as comedy, they have a comic effect when one uses his imagination. Imagine, for instance, a giant sea crab as a traffic cop. He could direct four streams of traffic at once while making a date with the sweet young thing whom he had held up for a traffic violation. Then think what a great, intelligent reptile, crocodile, or what have you, could do in our prohibition enforcement service. He could place his armored body across the road, and when rum runners bumped into him, he could take his handy disintegrator and turn their load of white lightning back into the original corn patch. And suppose a giant, humanly intelligent centipede should make too much whoopee some night and endeavor to sleep upstairs without waking the wife. Even if he succeeded in getting off his thousand pairs of shoes, which is doubtful, 
he would have a sweet time keeping his myriad of legs under control after partaking of some of the tanglefoot dispensed nowadays i hope your authors will read and heed the delicate sarcasm contained in the letter of robert r young in your april issue carl f morgan 427 east columbia avenue college park georgia craves excitement dear editor i have been a silent reader of your magazine for quite a long while but have finally decided to come forth with my own little contribution to the readers corner so far i have seen only two other women readers letters i suppose most women are interested in love stories though i fail to see anything very exciting in any that are written nowadays and i crave excitement in my own reading i've read about most everything there is about this old earth so i've decided to wander into new fields now for a little discussion about astounding stories i haven't any brickbats to throw you seem to get more of them than is necessary i like the size the price the cover the illustrator the authors etc some stories don't exactly take my fancy but the average is one hundred percent with me some that particularly pleased me were marooned under the sea way back in the september issue jetta of the lowlands and beyond the vanishing point gray denham and eight men of ex Lottie in the december issue write a one too i congratulate ray cummins on his new story even though i haven't started to read it yet i always know i'll enjoy his work no matter what it is time traveling is one of my special dishes too here's a little dig i'm sorry i didn't think i'd have any but i just thought of this it seems to me that i never see any stories written by two authors of course the stories by single authors are okay but the particular two i am thinking of are edgar a manley and walter thode they wrote the time annihilator as you probably know that was one of the best time traveling stories i have ever read i'm only sorry that it couldn't have been published by astounding stories well i don't want to make myself tiresome the very first time so i'll sign off please excuse the rather unconventional stationery but i'm writing this at the office in my spare time hope i haven't worn my welcome out but i had so much stored up to say i'm waiting for the april issue so please hurry it up betty mulharan fifty east philadelphia avenue detroit michigan a daisy for s p wright dear editor were good old president george washington himself to travel through time to the present and look upon the april issue of astounding stories i am certain he would only repeat what i say editor i cannot tell a lie this is the best issue yet the cover on this issue is unique in that astounding stories is written in red and white letters i do not recall of ever having seen this done to any science fiction magazine before wesso's illustration leaves nothing to be desired going straight through the book the monsters of mars good old edmund hamilton saves the world for us again in the very nick of time and we like it too here's hoping there's a million more dangers threatening terror for mr hamilton to save us from by the way i wonder who drew the illustration for this story i can't make out his name next the exile of time by cummings exciting and well illustrated hell's dimension is well written and very interesting would have liked it longer the world behind the moon is splendid more by mr ernst please more from mr gilmore too because of his novelette four miles within the lake of light by that popular author jack williamson surpasses his the meteor girl in a recent issue of our magazine and now i come to the last and perhaps most interesting story of the issue mr sewell peasley writes record of the interplanetary adventures of the special patrol as told by commander john hansen this series is unsurpassable 
in its vivid realness. I can't help but believe that these tales really occurred, or will occur in the distant future, and Mr. Wright is as expert at conceiving new forms of life as Edmund Hamilton is at saving our earth. The Reader's Corner is an interesting feature, and I am glad to hear that Murder Madness and Brigands of the Moon are now in book form. Force J. Ackerman, 530 Staples Avenue, San Francisco, California. Mass Production Dear Editor, After reading Mr. Greenfield's letter in your April issue regarding my story, An Extra Man, I feel that I should like to call his attention to a point which, it seems to me, he has overlooked, namely, that the reconstructed men were not composed of the original physical matter of the disintegrated man, but of identical elements, all of which are at present known and available to science. According to the hypothesis, Drayle could have produced as many entities as he desired and provided for, just as a radio broadcast is reproduced in as many places as are prepared for its reception. The vibrations alone are transmitted, and the reproduction is the result of a reciprocal mechanical action by physical matter at the receiving end. Any radio engineer knows that the original sound waves are not transported, but merely their impress upon the electrical radio wave. So, Drail's disintegrating and sending apparatus only transmitted the vibrations, which enabled his machines at the receiving end, to select from a more than adequate supply of raw material, in due proportion and quantities, as much as was required for the reproduction of the disintegrated entities. I think that if Mr. Greenfield will reread the story, noting the following references, he will agree that if the hypothesis is accepted, the conclusion is logical. 1. It is only Jackson G. and not Drail who speaks of transmitting the constituent elements by radio, page 120. 2. The scientist Drail says, page 129, We already know the elements that make the human body, and we can put them together in their proper proportions and arrangements, but we have not been able to introduce the vitalizing spark, the key vibrations, to start it going. He does not say that tangible matter can be transmitted by radio. 3. In the account of Drail's preliminary experiments, page 122, there is no statement to the effect that the original material composing the disintegrated glass was used in its recreation. 4. There is nothing in the story to indicate that the original physical composition of the disintegrated man was transported, in any manner, to any outside location. The process of disintegration was necessary to obtain the vibrations that would make possible their repetition which under proper conditions would induce a reproduction of the original, just as a song must be sung before it can be reproduced upon a phonograph disc, but which, once recorded, can be repeated times without number. 5. Drail's question, page 124, Have you arranged the elements? refers to the elements out of which all mankind is composed, and which Drail has previously mentioned, page 120. 6. The narrator emphasizes this aspect of the discovery when he says, on page 124, I seem to see man's, not the man's, elementary dust and vapors whirled from great containers upward into a stratum of shimmering air and gradually assumed the outlines of a human form that became first opaque, then solid, and then a sentient being. And again, page 126, the best of the race could be multiplied indefinitely and man could make man literally out of the dust of the earth. This does not imply a split-up of one individual into several smaller sizes or fractional parts, but rather the production of identical entities exactly as thousands of phonograph records can be recreated from the master matrix. 
7. As to the question of soul, I suggest that inasmuch as what we call the soul of an individual is always judged by that individual's behavior, and that medical science now maintains that behavior is largely dependent upon our physical mechanism, it would follow that the identical human mechanisms would have identical souls. Jackson G. The Reader's Corner All readers are extended a sincere and cordial invitation to come over in the Reader's Corner and join in our monthly discussion of stories, authors, scientific principles, and possibilities. Everything that's of a common interest in connection with our astounding stories. Although from time to time the editor may make a comment or so, this is a department primarily for readers, and we want you to make full use of it. Likes, dislikes, criticisms, explanations, roses, brickbats, suggestions. Everything's welcome here, so come over in the Reader's Corner and discuss it with all of us. The editor. End of section 22. End of Astounding Stories 18, June 1931.